Self-discovery. So much of our society and culture is about self-discovery, right? I mean, you do you, you speak your truth, we're all on our own journey, you just have to be true to yourself. If you do a, a quick Google search, which I did this week, uh, you'll get a huge variety of results on self-discovery. Uh, 12 steps to know yourself more, uh, 10 great books to discover who you really are, uh, 52 self-discovery questions, 51 self-discovery questions, 44 self-discovery questions to deepen your self-awareness. The majority of our movies and, and TV shows take you on a journey of one character discovering their place in the world. We're a culture that is obsessed with self. Why do you think there's so many personality tests uh, out there and why do you think they're so popular? Because we're dying to know who we really are. We're dying to know how we fit. I took this personality uh, test this week to see what fictional characters I was most like. I have a close friend who did this uh, about a year ago, and uh, he discovered that he was most like Lord Voldemort from the Harry Potter franchise, if you know who that is. Kind of ugly. Uh, I've been making fun of him ever since, and so I haven't done this until, until I, I needed to uh, for this, because uh, I know that he's gonna watch it and make fun of me. But uh, here we go. I'm an 84% match with Forrest Gump. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. Force Gump is cool. My wife said he was cool, so I'm cool. 83% match with Leslie Nope from the show Parks and Rec. I like her too, if you know who that is. She's cool. Uh, I really like Star Wars, if you haven't learned that about me yet. Uh, and so I looked through this list looking for a Star Wars character that I'm most like, and uh, there he is. The one I'm most like is the droid C-3PO. And if you're not familiar with Star Wars, he's the slow, annoying one. So <laughs> not really sure what any of this says about me. Am, am I self-aware enough? I don't, I don't know. At some point or another, we all ask the question, who am I? The, the great philosopher Socrates is attributed with saying, to know thyself is the beginning of wisdom. Everyone wants to know themselves uh, because it brings about a lot of benefits. There's a study uh, that I read that suggests that when you know yourself, you experience higher levels of happiness, less inner conflict, better decision-making, self-control, resistance to social pressure, tolerance toward others, and vitality. That's a great list. I don't know about you, but I want to experience those things in my life. And I truly believe that, that part of this self-discovery search we go on is something that God put inside of us. We just, we just take it too far, like we do with a lot of things. But the good news is this. Uh, we don't have to take that lifelong journey focused on ourselves. God gives us the answer. The path to self-discovery is not through meditation, it's not through a Google search or a personality profile, but it's in the presence of Jesus. Jesus shows you who you are. Jesus shows you who you are. When Jesus showed up at that first Christmas and took center stage, everything changed. Dylan started this message series last week in John chapter one, and we learned that, that through Jesus, we can see who God is. If you, wanna, if you wanna know God, if you wanna know who he is, look to Jesus. And if you wanna know who you are, look to Jesus. Let's continue in John 1, uh, starting with verse nine. It says, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. But to all who did 
Uh, Sorry, world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Look at verse nine again. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Dylan told us last week that this duality of light versus dark, good versus evil is a theme uh, throughout the book of John. Uh, he said this. He said, we as sinful people like living in darkness. No one will ever admit that, especially not Christians, but it's true. And I say that because whenever light is shown on our darkness, whenever our evil deeds are exposed, we hate it. When our secret evil deeds are found out, when our evil lifestyle is pointed out, it is the light that shows us how dark we really are, and we hate it. We would, ra we would rather just remain living in darkness, so much simpler and comfortable. And no matter how hard we try to hide the darkness in our lives, the light exposes our darkness, and through this, our eyes are opened to who Jesus is. We are only able to see the evil in our lives because we are able to see the righteousness of Jesus. It's good stuff, Dylan. Uh, the, the light exposes our darkness. He shines a light on who we really are. So self-discovery, look to Jesus, step into the light. So with all that being said, though, who are we? What, what are our defining traits? We can see two important truths in the next few verses, uh, verse 10 and 11. Let's look at that. He was in the world. The world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. I thought I'd save us all some time and just uh, sum up the rest of the message. So here's the main point. Are you ready? Here it is. I haven't even said it yet, and you guys think it's funny. Thanks. Uh, you stink. No, that's, the, that's my summary. You stink. And we need some practical application, so what should we do about it? Just stop it. Now we can go home. See ya. Merry Christmas. Uh, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, kind of. Uh, so... <laughs> But so who are we? What is, what is John telling us here? Defining trait number one is rejection. Our condition is one of rejection. It says in verse, in verse 10 that the world didn't receive him. In other, word, uh, in other translations, it says the world didn't recognize him. And that word there implies more than just belief, uh, but it implies a relationship. We reject a relationship that God offers to us. Romans 1 verse 18 says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. The fact of the matter is that, that we're the ones who suppress the truth. We're the ones who reject Christ. He is light, and people love the darkness and hate the light. Light exposes, light projects, light keeps things from being hidden. We're, we're miserable in our sin, but at the same time, we're reluctant to accept God's grace and leave that behind. We're reluctant to step into the light. And I would say many of us worshiping here in this room or online who, who follow Jesus can recall a time when they openly rejected, when they open re, openly rejected him. A time when they said, 
I don't need that in my life. I don't, I don't need Jesus. A time when we felt hopeless, but we were still unwilling to believe that God sent his son to earth to pay the penalty for our sins so that we could have hope. A time when we openly rejected him. And not only do, do we, have we done that at times, but uh, we also reject him without even knowing it. R.C. Sproul says that religious people have no problem seeing the wretchedness in their sin. They have a problem seeing the wretchedness in their righteousness. Let that sink in for a minute. Uh, Sometimes we forget how wretched we are and how much we need Jesus. And as I said earlier, uh, we stink, uh, but we forget that we do. We become nose blind. Uh, We're transformed by his grace. And although we are different than we once were, we forget that that God isn't finished with us. We have seasons maybe where we're too busy, uh, where we go through the motions, where we're complacent. We truly aren't aware yet of how we're sinning. That happens too. For example, it it took a deeper relationship with Christ, his light shining on on my own darkness uh, to realize how selfish I was in my marriage. That was kind of like an aha moment for me about 10 years ago, and I've had I had many more of those before that and, and many since then, but we're, we're not gonna talk about that today. <laughs> maybe, maybe next time. Uh, I've seen this play out in other ways. I was at a small group once and we were talking about this very thing. We were talking about sin and how sometimes we don't even realize we're doing it. Uh, and it was kind of the somber moment when people were nodding their heads and uh, in agreement. Most likely they were thinking about their need for Christ and we were all thinking about our own baggage. And in that moment when it's quiet, uh, this person speaks up and says, well, I think I'm pretty good. <laughs> it was their first time, it was their first time in our group and I didn't really know them well enough to respond to that so I was just kind of like, okay, let's move on. Great, good job. Um, so that happens. I think that we, we sin without, we reject Jesus without even realizing it. So not only do we do that uh, both directly and indirectly but because of our sin, uh, God has rejected us. We are the rejects. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, I'm a reject. Can you do that for me? <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, I'm a reject. Uh, Romans 3.23. Thanks for doing that, by the way. I've been looking forward to that all week. Uh, Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world. Isaiah 64, we are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. See, sin leaves us rejected. Sin leaves us without hope, and on the best day, all we have to offer are filthy rags. Sin leaves us separated from God, and we feel that separation, don't we? We can't always like, express what it is, but, but we feel it. We're created for a relationship with our creator, and sin makes that impossible. A pastor in, George, in Georgia named Josh Bice uh, said this, Christmas is an indictment upon our immorality. Christmas is a statement regarding our sin. Christmas is a glimpse at the guilt of mankind. Christmas is indicative of our inability to save ourselves. Christmas is a revelation regarding our rebellion. You didn't realize that you're gonna come to church today and I'd make you feel so good, right? Really boosting your confidence. See, if you stop right there in the narrative, 
It's pretty bleak. I mean, we reject God. He rejects us. No hope, the end. But that's not where it ends. The stage hasn't been cleared. The show isn't over. There was just a little intermission there. So let's see what else John says in verse 12. Verse 12, to all, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Verse 12 is where, is where it turns to hope. Verse 12 is where we learn that our condition is not only one of rejection, but our condition is also one of adoption. And I want you to know that, that being a child of God, well, as we just read, that it's not our natural condition. Uh, when people say we're all God's children, uh, that's really sweet, but there's really nothing to back that up. Uh, we just talked about our natural condition. We're rejects. Uh, but verse 12 says that we become children of God. We're adopted. John said he gave us the right to become children. And, and the word he uses for right is, is a legal word. In this country, my children are citizens uh, simply because they're my children. That is their legal right, and there's a lot of things that come along with that legal right. My kids also have certain rights in my house simply because they are my children. Uh, to the very best of my ability, I will clothe them. I will feed them. I will meet all their basic needs. They don't have to earn this. I don't want them to ever have to worry about that. Uh, they also maybe might have an inheritance, um, probably pretty small, but you know, I'd, I want them to have one. Uh, because we are adopted as God's children, we're part of his kingdom. We have certain rights. We can look to God with affection and with trust. First Peter 1 says that there is an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. That's a lot like what the Apostle Paul tells uh, the church in Rome. Look in Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Look at the wording that, that Paul uses in this passage. We have been made right. Because of what Jesus has done, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. Uh, if you're feeling saucy this week, keep, keep reading the book of John. Uh, he continues this theme into the next few chapters. And in chapter two, Jesus performs his first miracle. He turns water into wine. He, he changes something from its natural state. Then in chapter three, Jesus talks about Nicodemus being born again. Uh, Nicodemus was a religious leader and they, they meet. And Jesus says, to be part of the, the kingdom of God, you must be born again. And Nicodemus really doesn't understand what Jesus is talking about, but Jesus is saying that you must be changed from your natural state. Uh, I read a story uh, last month about, uh, about this young woman, Akira Holstein. It's hard to read that, that, that board that she's holding up, but it says, after 3,739 days in foster care, today I am adopted. That's 10 years. I did math this week, guys. It was hard. She's 17 years old. She's almost out of the system and having to fend for herself. She'd given up hope of this ever happening. Then the unthinkable happens. She finds a forever home. She finds a forever family. 
She finds a network of support that she didn't think she'd ever have. And I recommend looking up this story. It's, it's beautiful. It's from this past September. Uh, and like Akira, we have the opportunity to be adopted. Jesus, the light, takes center stage and reveals our darkness. He shows us how much in need we truly are, and then he does something about it. Uh, we are adopted. That's the message of Christmas. That's the beauty of Christmas. Romans 5, 6, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. I love, I love that passage of scripture. Christ came at just the right time. He died for you and he died for me. So self-discovery. You wanna know who you are? Have, have you been relentlessly searching for the answers to some of life's biggest questions? I'm all for those 52 self-discovery questions. There, there's some good questions online about goals and values and beliefs, things that, that we should ask ourselves. But do you really wanna know who you are deep down and let that truth affect every part of your life? You gotta look to Jesus. Jesus shows you who you are. Our condition is one of rejection. We reject God both directly and indirectly and because of our sin, God rejects us. Our sin separates us from God, but by placing our trust in Jesus, we become his children. We're adopted. So what do we do with all this? I mean, since God is really the one who does the adopting, the one who really does all the, the heavy lifting, do we have a part to play? There's this uh, ongoing debate in Christianity between divine sovereignty and human responsibility. In, in other words, does God save you or do you, do you have the responsibility to respond? Does God save you, or do you, do you have the responsibility to respond? Yes. The answer is yes. God does save you, but, but you gotta step into the light. You gotta take that step. You gotta let the light expose your darkness. You've gotta come to grips with the rejection that's in your heart. All the junk that you're too afraid to bring out of the darkness, you gotta give it to Jesus because he can handle it. Do you feel the separation from God because of your sin? Step into the light. Do you find yourself worrying about things you know you really don't need to worry about? Step into the light. I understand being cautious about COVID. I really do. But does that fear and anxiety keep you up at night? Step into the light. Is there an addiction that is slowly or quickly killing you, putting a strain on a relationship? Step into the light. Is there a broken relationship at home with a parent or a child or a, or a spouse? Step into the light. Are you holding a grudge? No, you need to let go, but you just can't. Step into the light. Or are you struggling to make ends meet and, and don't know where else to turn? Step into the light. God, God never promised that a life following him would be easy, but man, is it amazing in the light. There's joy to be found there. There's hope we just have to take that leap and trust him. And by the way, this is an ongoing daily process because we're experts at finding the darkness. We're experts at finding just a little shade. It's like me at the beach. I just want to get under an umbrella so I don't get burnt. Uh, but we're experts at doing that. So we need to remind ourselves of this daily. If you've never put your trust in Jesus before, it starts by believing that Jesus died for your sins and rose again. You have to confess that Jesus is Lord. You have to repent 
or turn from sin and step into the light. Identify with his death and resurrection by being immersed in the waters of baptism. If you'd like to talk to someone about that today, uh, talk with me right after the service. Mark it on a Connect card. Uh, contact us through our website. Don't wait, guys. Don't wait. Every week here, uh, one of the ways that we worship is by taking communion. And communion is just a little piece of bread and a cup of juice that symbolize the body of Jesus broken for us and the blood of Jesus shed for us on a cross. Communion is this simple reminder of everything we just talked about, that God sent his son to die for us because of our rejection, because there was nothing we could do uh, about the separation between us and God. And because of his sacrifice, we can become children of God. So in just a minute, I'm gonna pray and uh, I'm gonna invite you to take some time to remember, to remember your rejection, to, to think about that uh, even when you feel like you've got it all together, you still fall short. But then we can celebrate today uh, because we are adopted, because of Jesus, we can be part of God's family. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for your love for us. God, when sin, separate, sin separates us from you, God, you, you make a way to heal that broken relationship. And God, you forgive us because of the blood of Jesus and his sacrifice. You forgive our rejection and you adopt us and you call us your children. We thank you for the joy we find there and the hope. God, remind us today of our need for you. And God, may that affect every part of our lives. We pray all this in Jesus' name.